This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, January the 24th and messages of support are being sent to a Kent police officer who's been left in a serious condition in hospital after being hit by a stolen motorbike. He was flown to London for treatment after it happened on the M25 near Swanley. Well, Lucy joins me now to chat through this one. Lucy, firstly, can you tell us how this happened? Yes, so officers had been responding to reports of a stolen motorbike yesterday afternoon. The vehicle was spotted being driven on the wrong side of the M25 near the Swanley Junction. We're told the officers suffered serious injuries and, as you say, is now in a London hospital where his condition's been described as stable. Drivers who were in the area will know the motorway was closed in both directions for investigation work. A 26-year-old man was arrested. And you've been looking at some of the messages that have been posted on social media. Yes, the Kent Police Road Unit posted on Twitter saying it's not every day we're using everything taught to us in our tactical medics course alongside good friends on a good friend. Thank you to everyone involved. Intense pride, admiration and adrenaline taking me through the shift. Get well soon, mate. They also added thank you to my colleagues that rushed to our friends' shouts for help. Thank you for your well wishes and words of support. Thank you to every single officer, staff member and volunteer involved today that brought this harrowing event to a conclusion with the mail in our custody. I get to go home after my 17-hour shift today. My colleague is in hospital with his loved ones by his side and a long road to recovery ahead. Our thoughts are with him and his family. Bravery is not the absence of fear, but action in the face of it. Police and Crime Commissioner for Kent, Matthew Scott, said my very best wishes to the officer who's been injured in this incident and well done for getting an arrest. The South East Coast Joint Response Unit added you should be proud of your actions, privileged to work alongside you today, best wishes to the officer involved. The Port of Dover Police also sent their best wishes to the officer, his family and his colleagues, saying their thoughts are with them all. Thanks, Lucy. And our very best wishes as well go to the police officer. We do hope he makes a speedy recovery and we'll keep you updated on any further developments with the story. Kent Online News. A Ramsgate man's been jailed after crashing his van, then claiming it had been stolen. 26-year-old Tyler Blaney from Hollingcondane Road crashed his work van into two parked cars before fleeing the scene and lying to police. His lies were uncovered when officers discovered his saliva on the airbag which had been deployed. He's been locked up for 20 weeks and disqualified from driving for 12 months. Detectives investigating a series of attacks in Ramsgate have released a picture of a man they want to speak to. Seven people were injured on the seafront in the early hours of yesterday, including two women and a man who were taken to hospital. You can see the picture at Kent Online. Also on the site, you can see CCTV images of two men police want to speak to about a burglary in Dartford. Cash, car keys and other valuables were stolen from a home on Dartford Road on New Year's Day. A road near Canterbury has been closed after a man was found injured. Paramedics were called to the A257 not far from Ash just before 7 this morning. It's still unclear how he was hurt but police want to hear from anyone who may have information. Now have you ever faced the decision on whether to pay for heating or 
or food. Well, the Kent Online podcast has been told an increasing number of people in the county are having to make that horrific decision, as many face the real prospect of fuel poverty. Estimates show there could be an increase of 500,000 households in the southeast struggling to pay their fuel bills from April when prices are due to go up. 65,000 households in Kent and Medway are already experiencing fuel poverty. Well, data from the End Fuel Poverty Coalition reveals Thanet is the worst affected area in the county, with 6,769 households in fuel poverty. That's 11% of households in the area. Alexander Rourke is chief executive of the Thanet Iceberg Project. He says the situation is dire. I think our starting base is possibly tighter than many other areas. We are if you look at, at further into the west of Kent, a, a lot of people will be working in London and, and, and travelling down sort of dormitory towns. Therefore, their their wages are high, and whilst they have travel costs and things, their their, their cost of living is is less than if they were living in London. So they have London wages, but but Kent costs. When you get as far out east as we are. Um, I think probably the wages are not as high here as in other parts of Kent. And I think that the figures for unemployment are that there's more unemployment here than in other parts of Kent as well. So if you've got people who are on Universal Credit or JSA or ESA um, and they are struggling and, and now the the fuel's going up so rapidly, of course they're struggling more. Then you've got people who are on either minimum wage or lower wage jobs, and they're seeing it go up. So they are struggling more as well, because if you earn less, it's a higher percentage of your income that is going on fuel than somebody that's earning more. So what we're therefore seeing is is people are, are being affected more. So even the people that were okay they they were in work and they weren't rich but they were okay now they're being pulled into a poverty trap because their okay money is just not enough anymore for people who are coming to you for help what is it that they're saying what are their concerns and their experiences at the moment they can't afford to live people are making decisions do we use heating or do we use food and the problem is some people they, they haven't got the money for food People are in dire straits. I was talking to somebody just now. I had a meeting just now. I was saying, in the last year, three people that we have had dealings with have committed suicide. Uh, you know, what, what other figure do you want? I, I don't know where we go from there. If, if, if you do not have enough money, if you cannot feed your children, if you cannot heat your house or you cannot feed your children, where do you go for that? I fear we are going to see crime rise because if I can't feed my kids... People are going to go and do stuff. We're going to see shoplifting rise. If I've got three kids, four kids at home and I can't feed them and they're saying, Daddy, I'm hungry and I have physically no money in my pocket and they say, Daddy, I'm hungry. How do I get that? There's only one way I'm going to get that food, isn't there? Genuinely, I don't know what the 
I don't know what the solution is. At the well, Fanet was followed in that list from the End Fuel Poverty Coalition by Dover, Canterbury and Swale, and it's an issue that affects every single part of the county. The average bill is set to jump from £1,277 to around £2,000 a year when the price cap is increased. Well, the government is being urged to set up an emergency fund to help tackle the looming crisis with an alliance of 27 major charities calling for urgent action. This is also going to be the topic of discussion on the lowdown on our Facebook Live tonight and we're asking on Facebook if you're worried about rising energy prices you can leave a comment there. We've also got a poll running on Twitter asking if you'll be able to afford increased bills. 23% of you have said yes while a huge 77% have said no. Well, you can watch the lowdown and have your say and question our panel of experts from six tonight. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. Some news from overseas now, and a Kent MP has been speaking about the current situation in Ukraine. Both the UK and America have now withdrawn some people from embassies there over fears Russia could be about to invade. It has troops on the border, but is accusing NATO countries of escalating tensions. Well, the Foreign Office here says the workers being withdrawn are non-essential and the embassy is still fully operational. Tunbridge and Morning MP Tom Tugendhat is chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee. It's quite clear that the threat to Ukraine is very real. Uh, speaking to ministers, senior officials and military officers, it's uh, absolutely obvious that nobody's in any doubt that the 100,000 Russian troops... Uh, encircling large areas of Ukraine uh, are not there for a picnic. They're there because uh, they're there to threaten the Ukrainian people and to uh, potentially even invade the country. This is exactly what uh, President Putin has tried to do in many countries uh, around uh, the region and indeed has uh, done in Ukraine before the so-called Maidan protests in 2014. Uh, President Yanukovych, who was the president up until 2014, uh, was entirely backed by Russia and after the uh, protests in 2014 fled to Russia in order to find sanctuary. So this is this is really not entirely surprising. And the um, ex-MP who is being cited, uh, Yevgeny Mureyev, who's being cited by the uh, Foreign Office as the potential president, uh, is an unusual character, not in that he's a millionaire who owns a media company. There's quite a few of them, but he's one of the very few Ukrainians who has uh, accepted the annexation of Crimea by Russia. It's an extremely unpopular thing uh, from Ukrainian standards. It's the only time, rather it's the first time since the Second World War that borders in Europe have been changed by force. And it's been rejected by every uh, international organization and nation. Uh, and so to have a, a potential or rather to have a Ukrainian politician accepting it is extremely unusual. New research out today shows Chatham is one of the high streets in the southeast to be worst affected by the pandemic. It's apparently lost 28 weeks of sales since March 2020 and also has the fifth highest town centre vacancy rates in the region. Well, we've sent our reporter Chris Hunter to the high street to find out what people there think. You can read what they had to say at Kent Online. It's been revealed three rough sleepers have died in homeless accommodation in Canterbury in the space of a month. The deaths took place at two of Porchlight's supported living sites between September and October last year. We're told none of the deaths are being treated as suspicious and Porchlight say they'll continue to give homeless people in the city all of the support they need. 
It's thought some new housing developments across Kent are more likely to get the go-ahead because councils have failed to deliver enough new homes in the county. Canterbury, Medway, Sevenoaks, Gravesham and Tunbridge and Morling have all been sanctioned by the government after only hitting 65% of their targets over the past three years. It means that if the authorities now reject a proposed housing scheme, it is more likely to be overturned by a planning inspector. Kent Online reports. A former Kent midwife has told the Kent Online podcast that she had no choice but to leave the profession after being dangerously overworked and massively underappreciated. It comes as new figures show that for every 30 midwives who train, 29 will end up leaving. Well, Jamie has been speaking to Peroska Caval, who's from Whitstable. My first ever agency shift, I was two years qualified and I went to London and I'd uh, been told that you go and you read the protocols when you get there, get there early so you can read all the protocols so you're up to speed because it may be different from where you've trained. Um, I arrived and as I arrived uh, onto Labour Ward, a midwife left a room with a woman in it and said, well, I'm going, I'm going, I don't care. And I thought, well, this is unusual. <laughs> and the midwife in charge says, right, here you go. And I thought, oh my God, I haven't read anything. I know nothing. And I was into straight away into a very high risk situation. So I realised then that you hit the ground running and um, it's really important. And I'm firm believer that you, you have to ask. You never, ever wing it. You make sure you tell people, even if you risk looking like the stupid new person, you know, it's not the sort of thing you can pretend you know what you're doing. Absolutely not. So that was my first experience. And then what I realised is that every single hospital, even if they're in the same trust, they all work completely differently, which is bonkers we we see constantly about shortages in the nhs and and staff leaving the profession um is it a big problem in midwifery and i I guess that it that it is yes it's a it's a huge problem um and even now talking to my colleagues you know uh, unfortunately a lot of my colleagues have had strokes heart attacks through the uh, through the um stress and the pressure of the the job and they are cutting it back more and more to the bare bones so you may find that you have uh, what they think is acceptable now is to have six midwives to cover a labor ward with 10 labor ward rooms an antenatal ward full a postnatal ward a triage and a day assessment unit and they'll have maybe some units even will only have one doctor one senior doctor one junior doctor to cover all of that i was going to say and i suppose it's just not sustainable at all is it no. And you forget, you know, you kind of become, it's like, I suppose, you become acclimatised to sort of working in a war zone. I know that sounds really dramatic, but you only realise it at points when you're, for instance, you come to the nurses' station, that's what we call, that's what we call the desk, you know, to um, do some paperwork or the speech to the midwife in charge. And people walk in and you're surrounded by very often you're surrounded by the sound of people giving birth which is not fun and and people walk in and especially the dads and you're talking to them you know all very jolly and as the color is draining from their face and they are horrified by being in that environment you know you can't you can't sustain that really you can't there are some great moments there's some funny moments and there's some achingly 
heartbreaking moments. A real eye-opening interview, that one, and it comes as a review into maternity services continues at the East Kent Hospital's NHS Trust. Last week, it was revealed that maternity staff are now being interviewed as part of the independent inquiry into potentially avoidable baby deaths. A monkey is thought to have been spotted on the loose near Canterbury. At Kent Online, you can see a video which seems to show a capuchin running into woodland yesterday. Well, we've asked the Aspinall Foundation, which runs nearby wildlife parks, for more information. The Culture Secretary is backing plans for a statue of a trailblazing author in Canterbury. Afra Ben, who was born in Harbledown in 1640, is known as the first professional female writer in the English language. Nadine Doris has praised a campaign to honour her work. People in Kent are apparently among the most generous in the UK when it comes to birthdays and other special occasions. The counties come forth in a list of the amount of money spent on cards and gifts last year. We were beaten by Lancashire, Essex and Midlothian in Scotland. And Ollie Alexander is going to be on the hit list tonight. He'll be chatting to Numi all about new album Night Call, his first solo record since the other members of Years and Years left the group. It's on our sister radio station KMFM from 7. Kent Online Sport. Football and it was heartbreak for Gillingham at the weekend as they fought back against Wigan Athletic only to concede from a corner. At one stage they were 2-0 down away from home but managed to bring things level thanks to goals from Ben Reeves and Stuart O'Keefe but a point wasn't to be as they allowed Wigan a winner with about 10 minutes of the game to go. We caught up with caretaker boss Steve Lovell after the final whistle. To get back in the game uh, 2-1 I did say to the boys at half time you know you get the next goal and anything could happen. Uh, we did. We changed it up at half time. We changed the formation, um, and in hindsight, you, perhaps we should have done that in the first half. But you come to a place like this, you want to stay in the game as long as possible. I knew at some stage in the game we'll go to the diamond, but I didn't expect us to go that early. Uh, when they went after, even after, I think half an hour, I was contemplating changing it then um, because they had so much of the ball. They were coming out with the ball. They were they were hurting us into the pockets. And we, we, no matter how, what we were doing out there, we couldn't get close to them. So we changed it, uh, put um, Charlie on and, and, um, and Ben, Ben Reevesy, and the two of them were, were brilliant. You know, they changed the game for us. They changed the game for us. But, you know, you, you need people to get on the ball and start passing it and start running. Charlie come on with his enthusiasm up and alongside V, did a great job. So... You know, it, it, you, you, you're learning all the time. You know, it's two weeks I've been there with these boys. I'm learning with them all the time, and I've learned a lot today. And last Saturday, I've learned a lot about what most probably is is my best um, formation and what is, you know what uh, and the formation I'd like to go with with the players that we got. Um, obviously, Reeves, we'll have to see how he is. Uh, but we lost him again when he was influential in the second half. But by that time, we were back in the game and. Just so disappointed to lose that, that thing of the game in the way we did with that, with that header at the far post. But I thought second half we absolutely battered them. They're, they're top of the league. They had a few shots and, and Pontus made a couple of saves, but that's Reeves' effort. You know, we had majority of the play. We played well. We got out from the back. We created chances. We had corners. We had long throws. We, had, you know, second half was uh, was superb. And they're top of the league, and they'll win the league, as I said before. And to come here and 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 you know we could have. We could have got a result here today, and that's the disappointing thing. And not just a draw, but a win. Um, but again, we've we've conceded two, I think, two really bad goals um, uh, out of the three. And uh, we, as I said, we got people have got to take responsibilities and start, you know, 
stop these goals going in because otherwise, you know, we're going to be in trouble. So the next three games are really important and we've got to take the positives out of this today again and, and go again on Tuesday. That's all we can do. The Jills are now bottom of League One and face Shrewsbury Town at home tomorrow night. And it seems the Bromley manager has ruled himself out of the running for the boss's job at Priestfield. Andy Woodman says talks have dragged on and his focus is with his current team. The Jills have been searching for a replacement after Steve Evans left. And Kent snowboarder James Barnes-Miller has added two more medals to his tally at the World Para Snow Sports Championships in Norway. He won silver in the snowboard cross on Friday and another bronze in the team event at the weekend having already claimed a first bronze at the championships in the SBUL banked slalom. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.